Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Final episode of God Reels. You excited? Some of you are excited. Some of you are like, let's get this over with, because I really didn't feel that great through the series because my heart was going all kind of places, which is a great thing, right? Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to recognize what's happening in our life and really have a heart reconciliation. So before I start, let me share with you a kind of embarrassing story, right? This was when I first became a Christ follower. as fairly new in walking with the Lord. And, you know, at that time, I was working at a really retail store. I was a manager at a retail store, kind of like, you know, Rebel Sports, but in Canada. And this one particular night, it was an opportunity to extend and see what was in me, but I failed miserably. I'll tell you in a second. So... I was in charge of closing up the, the shop for the night, the store for the night, and I had this one guy who was just trying to do everything to make me mad. And he was doing it willfully because I could see it. Every time I'd ask him to do something, he'd do something opposite. But like, he put this here, he'd put it somewhere else. He just did it willfully to make me upset. And so I was like trying to contain myself, trying to contain myself. You know, I'm like, I've just come to the Lord. I'm just a Christ follower. I need to show grace. I need to show love. I need to, you know, be, be not be mad and try to organize all this stuff in my mind and in my heart and do all these things. But he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Till finally, I just lost it. <laughs> I really lost it. Stuff came out of my mouth that I didn't even know existed in my heart. It just came all out. And the guy just stood there and stared like he was shocked, like a deer in headlights. And the question <laughs> was like, I had to ask myself later, where did this stuff come from? Like, I really didn't know that was in me. I really didn't think that emotion and those words that came out were in me. It was quite an embarrassing situation. Right, especially if you're thinking you're following the Lord in the right way. So that is why we're talking about guardrails. And today, as our final episode, do a quick recap. You've probably know this by heart. Guardrails. What are guardrails? Guardrails, it's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas, right? keep you on your journey, keep you going to your destination. And they're really designed to do two things, to protect us and direct us. They're not there to hinder you. They're there to actually help you from your journey, get to your destinations. And most often, if you look at guardrails in the situation, they're never placed in the road. They're never placed in the middle of the road. They're placed on the side of the road in the safety zone. So they're placed in the safety zone and never in the danger zone. Because, as I said, they're not there to hinder you, they're there to take you to your destination. To minimize damage, if you do hit a guardrail, it's to minimize damage because you might hit a guardrail, you might have some work done on your car, but it could have been far worse if there was no guardrail because you could have ended up in a ditch, you could have gone off a cliff, you could have hit a wall and had significant damage to you and those people in your car as well. So, Guardrails are really for us, and we don't just need them in our world, we need them in our lives as well. And so guardrails, really what they do is to set, help us set up behaviors or 
set up behaviors in our life that light up our conscience before we get into problems. So God will help us put some behaviors in place and light up our conscience before we get into problems, right? To not actually end up in situations. So today, our final episode, this is what it's called, From the Heart. From the Heart. And I hope you'll lean in and really get what God has been doing through this series in your life. The most important guardrail for all of us is actually our heart. Now, in the first episode, we started with talking about Solomon and what his wives were, words were from the book of Proverbs. And today, we're going to touch Solomon again. And Solomon is perhaps the, the wisest person that's ever lived. Some say that's lived in the whole world, that will ever live in the whole world. Solomon was the wisest person. And he had great insight to provide us. He wrote a number of books that are in Scripture. He wrote the Songs of Solomon. He wrote Ecclesiastes. And of course, he wrote the book of Proverbs. And so Solomon has a great deal of things to say about a lot of subjects. He talks about a whole different bunch of subjects all through his books. But Solomon says one of the most important things, or the most important thing, is this. And this is what he says. Above all else, guard your heart. Which He's saying, I've talked about a bunch, a whole bunch of things, but above everything else I've talked about, above everything else, do what? Guard your heart. If you forget about anything that I've said, if you forget about all the other stuff I've talked about, guard your heart. Remember this. Guard your heart. To which we would say, why, Solomon? Why do I need to guard my heart? What's so important about guarding my heart? And he says this. Guard your heart because or for, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. Everything you think about, everything you act, everything you do, everything you say, it flows from your heart. And if this is true, and everything does flow from the depth of our heart, and it's not obviously our physical heart, but it comes from somewhere within us, if everything comes from somewhere within us, and if this is the case, learning to guard what's within our parts, within us, you have to guard what's within us, because it's going to affect everything outside. Learning to guard the within part because it affects everything on the out part is super important. Because out of it comes all the issues of life. So the question is this morning is what does it look like to guard our hearts? What does it look like to you and to me and to all of us gathered here and those of us that are watching online? What does it look like to guard our hearts? And a thousand years after Solomon wrote this statement, Jesus comes along and Jesus is walking with his disciples. He's going around preaching and teaching and healing and dispensing wisdom. And he goes to all the cities in the towns of Judea talking about this. And wherever Jesus went, there was always a huge crowd that gathered because they wanted to hear what he had to say. He had some great things to say. And as the crowd gathered... Among the crowd, there was also the religious leaders of that time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. And they would come to listen to Jesus, not because they thought what he was saying was great. They came to actually try to trick him and trip him up 
into doing something and saying something that was against the law. That was their whole motive because they really wanted to get rid of him. And they could not get rid of him because he had such a large crowd following. And they were fearful that if they did anything to Jesus, the crowd would attack them. And so they tried to come up and trick Jesus with questions that they thought in their mind would be something that would make Jesus fall or mess up or say something or do something that they could go, "Uh uh-huh, he's not right. So one particular day, these guys, these religious leaders, came up to Jesus and asked him a question. They're like, Jesus, we have a question for you. And this was their question. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? The tradition of the elders. They do not wash their hands before they eat. We look at that and go, that's so true, right? Why don't you wash your hands? We should wash your hands. Especially in our world that we're living right now with COVID, we're encouraged to wash our hands, sanitize, do all that. So they said to Jesus, Jesus, why don't your disciples... Wash their hands. That's a normal thing. And you think, that's a normal question, right? But the reality is that this had nothing to do with hygiene or cleanliness and everything to do with the Old Testament law. The high priest and the priests and anyone who was in the temple or serving in the temple that had to do sacred rituals before God or sacred ceremonies before God, they had to do these ceremonial things. And part of that ceremonial thing was that they had to wash their hands. So they had to make sure that anytime they came to doing something that was for God, that their hands were clean. It wasn't touching any dead thing or blood or any of these things. So they had to make sure anytime, at any moment, if they had to do anything with God, that their hands were actually clean. But these religious leaders, they had turned this law into a tradition for everyone. This was actually for, designed for, the law said, it was for the priests and high priest and the people that did the things in the temple. That was what this law was for. But these priests said, you know what? We're going to make this a rule for everyone. Whether you're serving in the temple or not, whether you're you know, just a guy in the farmyard doing farm things, still you're going to have to apply. This is going to be a tradition we're going to enforce to every single Jew. It doesn't matter if you're serving in the temple or not. Everyone's going to have to do this. The law didn't teach this. The law said it was just for the priests who were working in the temple. But the priest came along and said, this is a law or tradition now. For everyone. So Jesus is actually not breaking any traditions. He was just not paying attention to their law, their traditions. He was obeying the law. He was just not paying attention to their traditions. So he, he must have laughed and, and said, well, you have a question for me. Well, I have a question for you. And he continues. Jesus replied and he says this. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? They were taking the law of God and making it a tradition. And Jesus turns it around and he says, But why do you break the command of God for the sake of tradition? Why are you actually taking a tradition that you've put in and masquerading it as the law? You're saying this is the law from God. When it wasn't, but you're telling everyone that it was a law from God. And then he takes it a step further because he says an actual command from God is to follow what God says, but you are now taking God's law and changing it because you don't like it. 
So it's like this. To honor God, we're going to dishonor other people. There are all these rules in place to honor God, but they mistreated people. They love to honor God and say, we're doing this for you, God. But they would often mistreat people that were below them. And Jesus says, don't you see how you've got this twisted? And here's a good illustration of what he's actually talking about. Say you had a child, and your child was talking to your spouse, your wife, in a very disrespectful way. And you as a father went along and said to the child, don't speak to your mother disrespectfully. Probably identify with some of you. Don't speak to your mother disrespectfully. And the child goes, okay, I won't speak to my mother disrespectfully at all. In fact, I won't speak to her at all. Which the father would say, but don't you see that's disrespectful? You're putting a rule in place to break another rule, but the rule you've put in place is actually dishonoring the original rule. Do you follow? You can't put a rule in place to dishonor that rule when actually the main rule is being dishonored. So Jesus is saying, so this is what you've done. This is what you've done, he's saying to the Pharisees. Because, and this is what Jesus is going to bring up. You've kept the law of Moses and the law of Moses has been given to you and you've got this law from Moses that says you have to do this. But you don't like it. You don't approve of it. You don't want to follow it. So you've created a tradition to dishonor the law of God. And to tell them what he's talking about, he's saying, try to understand that culture. It was all about keeping honor for God. So he says, haven't we all done that? Haven't you and I done that at some point in our life where we say, yes, Lord, I know that's the right thing to do, but it's exempt from me because I'm in this situation. You know, that doesn't apply to me at this moment in my life because, you know, because of this. We've all done that from some time to time. So they were breaking God's law to preserve their traditions. So Jesus tells them exactly what he's talking about. And he says this, For God said, honor your father and mother. That was like the main one apart from God. Honor your father and mother. Respect them. Honor them. Treat them with honor. It's the main one. But he says, but you say, if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they're not to honor their father and mother with it. We look at that and go, we have no idea what you're talking about, Jesus. That makes no sense to us whatsoever. But his audience, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. You see, these religious leaders had come up with a tradition to violate the law to honor their mother and father. That's what they did. So they came up with this sneaky law, this kind of escape pattern or rule that they would actually able to violate this law that God had given them to honor their mother and father. And the way they did it, it was this. They would stand up in front of other important people and go, I devote all my possessions and everything I own to the temple. That's what they would say. I devote all that I own and all my possessions to the temple. But their tradition said they were able to use all they owned and possessed for the rest of their life 
for their personal use and their immediate family. They didn't have to give it to God. They could use it as long as they lived for themselves and their immediate family. And you can imagine that culture, what it was like. So what they really did was come up with a rule for themselves to stop being generous. To stop giving when someone came to them for help and said, you know, we really need help. We really need a hand in this situation. They'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Everything I owned has already been given to the temple. I can use it. I can do what I want with it because, you know, that's the tradition we came up with. But I can't give it to you because I've devoted it to the temple. And so when their aging parents would come and living in that culture, you know what it was like. They had to actually see and do work to live and, and sustain themselves. And though when their parents got older, they weren't able to work and do things. So they relied on the generosity of their kids. Even today that happens. So when the aging parents came to them and said, son, you know, my mother and I are going through a difficult season. We can't afford to buy food. They would turn around and say, oh, dad, I'm so sorry. I wish I could help. But everything I have has been devoted to God. So Jesus says, you've come up with a tradition to violate God's law. And then you come to me and ask me why you are violating your tradition that's not a law. This is what they were doing. I would love to help you, Dad. I'd have loved to help you, Mom, but sorry. I've devoted it to God. So he says this. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. You've taken God's law to honor your father and mother, and just because you don't want to be generous and give to people, even to your own family, you've created a tradition to say, oh, we're just going to devote it to God, but it's not really devoted to God or the temple. It's still for us to use, but I just can't be generous to you. And so thus, when Jesus said this, they kind of slunk back into the crowd on the outskirts because they were humiliated. And then Jesus said to the crowd, he said, come a little closer, lean in now, lean in a little bit, because I want to tell you something really important. And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. He says, listen, to the, and to the, listen and understand, he said to the crowd, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what goes out of their mouth defiles them. The issue was not what you put in your mouth. The Jews had certain traditions of what they could eat and what they couldn't eat and what they would actually touch and not touch. And Jesus is saying, even if you put the wrong thing in your mouth, that is not what defiles you. And the word defile in this context has nothing to do with who they were. It has to do with a personal relationship with God. So when they ate something, they thought they defiled or broke or destroyed their relationship with God. And this concept, Jesus said, is actually not true. And so Jesus comes now and he introduces something brand new. He says, what you put in your mouth does not put you at odds with God. What you put in your mouth does not ruin or destroy a relationship with God. 
And this was something that was brand new to these listeners. It was totally new to them because they believed that God would be offended if they ate something that was not clean. They believe that if there's something unclean in their mouth, God would be upset at them. God would be mad at them that they'd break that relationship. But here Jesus comes and he's introducing something. He's brand new. Jesus is the door from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He is the hinge that opens the door from the law into grace. And he did not break the law. He was a law-abiding Jew. But he comes now to introduce something brand new. He's going to introduce something that would make the law obsolete. It's like buying a new Mac. There's nothing wrong with old Mac, but your new one's just better. So this is a big shift in their understanding. See, the law that was introduced by Moses was all a vertical law. It was all about keeping it vertical to God, you know. It's looking up and saying, God, we need to keep God happy. It's all about God. We have to make sure that he's happy. So we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We're not going to eat this. We're going to eat that because it's all about pleasing who God is. It's about pleasing God. So if someone else is unhappy while we're pleasing God, well, too bad for them. It's all about keeping us vertical with God. But Jesus comes And he introduces this brand new concept. He says, it's not just about the vertical, but it's about the horizontal as well. Do you see that picture? It's not just about keeping God happy, but it's keeping, understanding how you live in harmony with those around you. And it was totally brand new to them. They did not get this because they were living all about keeping the law. So Jesus says, what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out. And so they looked at this and goes, what do you mean, Jesus? That what's in here, and when it comes out, that's what ruins relationships? That's what destroys things? It's not what we do or how we act. It's what comes out of us. Well, what comes out of us? It comes out of this thing right here. What comes out of us? Words. Words come out of us. And Jesus says, how your words affect people could defile you. Not what you put in, but what comes out. So Jesus is saying that God is more bothered by how my words affect people than my actions might offend him. That God is more bothered by what I say than what I eat. And as I said, this was brand new to them. And so Jesus ends this public message to all the crowd and the disciples and him, they walk off. And Jesus is with his guys, you know, he's hanging out with his people. The sermon's done, they walk off. And... The disciples, they're talking amongst themselves and they go, this is something that's a little bit controversial. It's a bit hard, brand new, because we've been raised to think this way. And so then Peter, he comes up to Jesus because perhaps he's the boldest or he got voted to be the spokesperson. So he comes up to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, that was a great message. Really loved it. I really understood completely. It was really awesome. I love how you said it and really how you offended those guys, those religious leaders. They just slunk off. They really offended, which was great. But some of the guys, they don't really understand. 
I'm really talking about Thomas, but all of us, they can understand. So Jesus, can you please explain this parable to us and go a bit slow so we can get it? Because you know Thomas, he's a bit slow. So help us just go a bit slow and explain it to us. Because we're having trouble understand this whole concept that you're trying to talk about. Because, you know, we were raised to think about and keep God happy and do these things. And so again, just go through it again because of Thomas. Just one more time so we can all understand it. And so Jesus turns around. I'm sure he was ribbing them. And he says this. Are you so dull? Jesus asked them. He probably laughed. Are you so dull? okay, come closer, sit down, let's have a group session right now. I'm going to explain it to you, and I'm going to go really slow. And if I'm going too fast, tell me, because I really want you to get this. And he says this, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach? They're like, yeah, yeah, we get that concept. We eat every day, you know, we put it in our mouth, and we know it goes into our stomach. And then Jesus says, and then it comes out of the body. They're like, ah, Jesus, yes, we know that. You know, we eat something, it goes to the stomach, and it comes out. Yeah, we get that concept, okay? But then he gets really serious after that. He says, but the things, come, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. The things that come out of a person come from their heart. The things that come out of us come from somewhere within us. It's what's already in there. And then he continues and said, it's these things that defile us. Right? It's not what you eat because it just passes through the body. But it's what's coming out because it comes from the source of your heart. That's what puts you at odds with God. Because what comes out of your mouth are words that can damage, hurt, destroy, and pull down other people that God loves. And that's what ruins your relationship with God. God is not so sensitive sitting up there goes, Oh my gosh, you ate the wrong thing. Bad for you. I'm, you're kidding me. No, it's not about that. It's about what our words do to other people that God loves. That's what puts you at odds with God. That's what gets God a little bit upset because you're destroying someone created in His image. The thing that gets us in trouble with God is not what we eat. It's how our words affect people that God loves. Words that offend others offend God. And this was completely different to the way that they understood it. Because it was all about keeping God happy. And if we stepped on other people, if other people got offended by what we said, if they were upset, if our parents even were dishonored, who cares? Because it's all about keeping God happy. And Jesus said, and pay attention here, because this is important, for out of the heart, right, out of the heart, come evil thoughts. You see that little dash there? What that means is, out of the evil thoughts produces, or this is what happens when you start thinking about yourself first. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, 
Murder, that's an action. Adultery, that's an action against someone. Sexual immorality, that's against someone. Theft, that's against someone. False testimony, that's damage to someone. Slander, putting someone else down. All of these things come out of our heart. That's the source of it. Though what you eat has nothing to do with how God looks at you. But what comes out of you, the thoughts that then produce actions, that's what offends God. That's what brings you at odds with God. It's not what you eat. From the heart come all of these things. And that is why we need guardrails for our heart. How do we do this? Why do they defile people? Because you hurt people, and when you hurt people that God loves, you hurt God. When you harm people God loves, you harm God. When you mistreat people God loves, you mistreat God or hurt God. This is what defiles you, Jesus is saying, not what you put in your mouth. This is what happens to us. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out and how that coming out affects people. See, these horizontal behaviors have impact on the vertical relationship. The horizontal behaviors have impact on the vertical relationship. So he says this, these are, the th- these are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. This is what damages relationship with God. But eating stuff you shouldn't eat, that's not going to be, God's not going to be upset at that. And this is what gets God a little bit upset. So they said, hold on, Jesus. So it's not about ceremonial washing. It's not about dietary laws to keep God happy. It's none of that stuff. It's what we talk about and what we treat people. That's what it is. And maybe this is the first time you've heard something like this. So maybe this is the first time you're in a church that teaches something like this. But this is what Jesus taught. And it was in complete opposition to what the Jewish leaders and their teaching was about. Follow the law of Moses, even if we have to circumvent or change a little bit there, because we don't like that particular part of it. So what offends God is what we do to offend people And what we do to offend people comes from our hearts. Is that what you're saying, Jesus? And Jesus said, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And so, according to Jesus, our behavior will mirror our hearts. According to what Jesus says, our behavior on the outside mirrors what's already on the inside. And so if we don't want our insides to be messed up, guess what? We need to work on what comes out. And to work on what comes out, we need to work on our heart. What comes out of our lives comes out because it's in there somewhere. What's in our hearts. And you know this. Do you know anyone who ruined a marriage by the words they said? Do you know anyone who ruined their job because they said something on social media and they got fired? Do you know anyone that has a bad relationship to their kids because of how they talk to them? We know this. It's what comes out. Maybe you know someone who blew up their career 
because of how they acted outside the work environment. Maybe on a work outing, they got super crazy and that impacted their career. We know this. It's not something new. We understand this. But the question is, where does all this stuff come from? We don't want, we want to look at it. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to see it in ourselves. We don't want to recognize it in ourselves. We might see it in other people. But where did this stuff come from? Maybe you have said something or done something and later asked yourself, where did that come from? I didn't know that was in me. I don't know, I don't know how I reacted that way, the way I did. I don't know where that came out of me. I never knew I could think that way or act this way or say that. In a moment of anger and frustration, we do things we don't normally do. But where did it come from? So I want you to give, so I want to give you four emotions that should light up your conscience. That when you think these things or feel these things or even see yourself doing these things, this should bother you. So if you feel this, sense it, know you're doing it, or someone else even tells you you're doing this and you go, no, 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 no I don't really act in that way. No, you have a problem because someone sees it in you. You have work to do because... If you don't deal what's with on the inside, it'll eventually make its way to the outside. And then it might be too late because you might have destroyed a relationship, destroyed a marriage, ruined relationship with kids or family or friends or whatever it may be because it's then too late. If you end up hurting others and you end up hurting yourself, and it's offensive to God, not because God is sensitive, but because you damage and hurt people God loves. So I want to share with you four tensions that deserve your attention. Right? Four tensions that all of us have in us that should get your attention. Four tensions that deserve your attention. You ready? In the little time we have left, I want to share this with you. Lean in, pay attention, this is what it is. Four tensions, and here they are. Four tensions. Guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. Guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. Four emotions that when you see this, when you feel it, in fact, you don't even feel greed. But you see it happening, or recognize it. When you see this, understand that this could cause you harm. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but it will eventually cause you harm. You need to pay attention. So pay close attention to the tension that's happening in your heart. So we can get all these emotions out. And so this is how we get out our emotions. Because this is what guilt says. Guilt says, I owe you. Right? Guilt says, I owe you something because I stole something from you. I took something from you. Maybe you're not even aware of what I took, but I know I took it from you. I know I stole it from you. And I don't want to admit it, but I'm inside internally. I'm struggling with it. It leads to dishonesty. It, de- it leads to lies. It leads to a false life. It creates distance. You go, what's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. Because there's something in there. They know that something's in there. You just don't want to admit it. There's a tension. That's what guilt says. I owe you. Anger says, you owe me. You took something from me. You stole something from me. I 
want it back. I deserve it back because you took it without asking. You stole it from my life. And anger begins to build up. And you see, anger, when it builds up, it never stays internal. It always leaks out. It leaks out in different ways, in different situations. It's never confined to where we want to. We think we're just going to keep it under control, but it comes out in different ways. It seeps through our relationship. It seeps through different things, and it leaks into other relationships because anger never stays with the one who hurt us. Anger never stays with the one who hurt us. It always deals with other people. You might be mad at your boss. You might be upset that your father mistreated you when you were a kid. You might be upset that that boyfriend or girlfriend ruined that relationship and, missed and led you down astray and you were mistrusted and all these things. But it doesn't just stay there because when your boss gets mad at you, you come home and take it out on your wife. When your father mistreated you, you turn around and mistreat your kids. When you feel your girlfriend or boyfriend cheated on you and let you down, you get into a new relationship and you're suspicious and treat them in a way that they didn't deserve because they weren't the one that did it to you. But your anger says, I'm going to take out anything on anyone that remotely resembles what you did or said. I'm going to take it out on them. Anger says, you owe me, and I'm going to hold it over you, and I'm going to hold it over every relationship that I encounter because I deserve something. Greed says, I owe me. As we said last week, greed is all about me. If it comes to me, the assumption is it's for me. And greed says, I don't care what's happening around me. I don't care if anyone's in need. I know there's people in the world that are starving. I know there's things that God is doing through the church. And, and my heart goes out to them, but my money does not. Even though I might feel bad, and I want to, I'm not going to, because greed says it's about me. I owe me. And as much as I feel sorry, and I must sometimes... By some grace of God, if some compassion rises up in me and I have a few coins in my pocket, then I drop it in. But only if I've taken care of everything that I want and I need and I require, then. Because greed says, I owe me. It's all about me. And when what you possess becomes more important than the people around you, you have a problem. There's nothing wrong with stuff, but when the stuff possesses you, when you're working for the stuff, you have a problem. When people are competing for your attention from the stuff because it's in a garage, it's behind a glass, it's out of reach, don't touch it, look at it through the glass, you can look at it and see how great it is. When people and the loved ones in your life, your family, your wife, your kids, when they realize they have to compete with stuff for your attention, you have a problem. Because the stuff has become more important than the people or what God is doing in your life. Jealousy says, life owes me. She got what was mine. He took what I deserved. He got the promotion. And I should have got the promotion. They didn't even talk to me. And then it's hard to like that person because you hate them now. They didn't do anything to you. But you're jealous. Someone else got what I deserve. And this is one of the most hateful or evil things you can have. 
Because jealousy is when you secretly celebrate someone else's failure. Jealousy is when you secretly celebrate someone else's failure. And if that's in you and that's in me, and I know sometimes it's in me, I need to get that stuff out because it's going to ruin me. It's going to mess me up. It's going to change my perspective and it'll turn me into something that I don't want to be. All these emotions, they need to come out because the more we contain them, the more we try to subdue them, the more we try to put them under a lid, they're going to leak out and destroy things. Is there anything worse than being secretly jealous at someone else's failure? Here are some suggestions. I say suggestions. And how to deal with these four tensions. And this is why we want everyone to be a Jesus follower because following Jesus will make your life better. Listening to what he says about life and how we should live our life transforms your life. Following Jesus will make your life better when you follow Jesus and do what he asks us to do. Even when it doesn't make sense emotionally at first. And to be honest, it doesn't make sense emotionally at first because what he's asking you to do might be in complete reversal to how you feel. But when you follow him and when you give your life to him and say, Jesus, you are the master of my life. I'm going to choose to follow you. Your life will get better. The lives of the people around you, even if they don't know Jesus, will get better because Jesus works through you into their life. And that's why we say following Jesus is the most important decision you could ever make in your life. And if you've never considered it, I urge you to consider it because it's so important for your future that Jesus transforms lives. And so Jesus constantly invites everyone, follow me, follow me, follow me, and listen to what I say. And when you do this, in essence, you'll have peace in your heart and peace in your life. Not everything is going to be great. Not everything is going to work out great. You think it's going to work out, but he is with you. That's what's so important. So if you've never made that decision, I urge you, I urge you, I plead with you, consider it. The least you could do is consider it. So here are four exercises for the heart and I remind you and I tell you right up front that they are completely opposite to what we feel if you do these exercises you're not going to feel like you want to do it because that's how they are supposed to do but when you do it even though you don't feel it it's going to set you free from the control of those emotions so what do we do with guilt with guilt we confess Right? We confess. And here's something. We confess not to God. He already knows what you did. Newsflash. God is not surprised when you come to him and say, you know what, I did this. It's like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? I didn't get the memo. God is not surprised by what you did. The confession is not to him because that's how some of you have been brought up to confess to someone you never met or don't know or to God. But the confession that heals is the confession who you did wrong to in your life. Yes, you can talk to God about it. But the confession that heals is to the one that you stole from. You took something from. 
That's where you confess. And if you're not ready to talk to that person, that's okay. Find someone in your life, a person in your life. They don't have to be a counselor. Just someone in your life and talk to them about it because you're bringing it on the outside. And when you bring it on the outside, you can begin to deal with it. But the, the way we deal with guilt is to confess. Because if you don't, it'll lead to behavior that could be even more damaging. So God loves you, and God loves the person you stole from, and he doesn't want you to live under that tension and guilt. He wants you to get it out and experience his peace. And the only way to do that is to confess. For anger, we need to forgive. We need to forgive. Deciding to forgive is a difficult thing. Because it seems like you're letting the person who did you damage off the hook. It's like you're letting them go free. They did this to you. They hurt you. They betrayed you. And you're saying, I'm just going to wipe the slate clean. It doesn't feel good. But when you set them free, there's someone else you're setting free too. Yourself. It sets you free. Because you're no longer controlled by the emotion and locked in the prison of your own creation. See, what we need to do is we need to identify specifically what was taken, stolen, or removed from us. And then we have to decide that we're not going to hold that over the person anymore. You're going to say, you don't owe me anything. I know you did this. I know you said this. I know you took this but you don't owe me anything anymore. And it sets you free from the control of anger, from the control of its manipulation in your life, because that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is setting you free. And God, he does not want you to live under that pain and regret. He wants you to live in freedom. And you are deciding not to be ruled by this emotion anymore. You can say, I don't want to feel this anymore. I don't want to experience this anymore. You are forgiven. You are free. And you set yourself free. To deal with greed, we give. We give some big to you money. When I mean big to you, it might be big to you, but it might not be big to the person sitting next to you, but it's big to you because you're giving something significant. The only way to get rid of greed is to give. Take something that was behind a glass, something that was precious, not your kids, <laughs> and sell it and give it. And that says, greed, you don't control me anymore. Guess what? They didn't even ask, but I'm giving it to them anyway. Give till it hurts. Because that's when you know it's getting to the heart of the matter. In fact, the scripture says we should not trust in riches, but we should trust in God. As Christ followers, we're not supposed to trust in the possession of stuff. We're supposed to trust in God. And, you know, the scriptures say, give 
God loves a cheerful giver, but we think, okay, I'm going to get cheerful and then I give, but that doesn't work. We're never going to get cheerful and then give. You give until you get cheerful because you come to the realization that my hands are open, my heart is open, and what God is doing through that is a blessing, and I get blessed, and therefore I'm not going to hold it anymore because I am doing better without it than with it, and therefore I give cheerfully because I realize I don't need it anymore. And the only way to do that is to give when you don't feel like it. Not when you feel like you're generous. And you tell greed, you don't control me. I decide what I do. Jealousy. If we had to deal with jealousy, we have to admit we have a problem and that life owes us. But more importantly, we think God owes us. Right? God owes us. Because it's not about what the friend got or the neighbor possessed. It's not about what happens to them or how they got promoted or what they got. It's not even about the person in church that seems to be getting blessed in you. It's about where's my blessing? What are you doing with, about me, God? You've taken care of all these other people. What about me? That's what it is. Jealousy is God owes me. He's taken something from me and I don't have it anymore. The truth is life happens. But when God takes what happens and then makes something happen for us, and when we let him take the something that's happened to us, without being jealous, something marvelous happens. Amen. It's when we surrender what we have to God in spite of what we think we lack, that's when something happens in our heart. There's people who I've experienced who've gone through tremendous loss, and they've gotten mad at the world and mad at God and mad at everything they can think of because they feel like somehow God took something from them, took their loved one, took their child, took this, and they're mad at the world and mad at God. And they scream and they cry and they don't turn around. And you know what happens? They don't recover. And I've seen other people who've suffered the same massive loss and they said, God, this happened. And I'm bringing it to you because I know you can take this and make something else happen. And when you give it to God, in spite of what you think you've lost or gained or what you think you're owed, when you give it to God, something marvelous happens. Your heart begins to heal. And these same people who've gone through massive loss can come out well on the other side and live a life that's pleasing to them and to God and their heart is healed while those that are mad and angry at God are still to this day bitter, bitter people that hate everyone in the world. And their perspective, their health, their attitude is all gone wrong. Where they feel like God took something from them. They're mad at God and the world. And the way you respond to jealousy is to celebrate. Celebrate what God is doing in someone else's life just as much as he's doing in your life. What God is doing for the other person. And you're saying, Joe, 
you got the job promotion and I didn't. Well, let me take you out to lunch and celebrate with you. And I genuinely am happy for you. And you say, but that's, that's not true. I don't feel like to celebrate. I don't feel. Isn't that a false thing? Because your feelings are not going to catch up. You have to behave and then your behavior also reflects your heart. So sometimes you behave your way to the right emotion. So you say, I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to be happy for you. I'm genuinely happy. I'm not saying smile on her face and having internal anger and tension on the inside saying I hate your guts. No, you, you genuinely celebrate what it's doing. And when you celebrate what God's doing in their life, you'll be able to look at your life with a brand new lens. Because your heart will also reflect your behavior. Who has what you deserve? What you think you should get? Learn to celebrate out loud. Not internally like, hee hee, I'm glad. And keep it to mind. No, no, no. Celebrate loud. Write them a letter. Dear Mary, you got the job I wanted, <laughs> but I'm genuinely happy for you. I'm going to celebrate you. I'd like to take you out to lunch to celebrate, in case they didn't know. So let's be like Michael Jackson and start with the man in the mirror. Let's start with us. Our heart health depends upon how you treat others. The person that you think stole something from you, took something from you, you stole from, took something from, you have to do these heart actions. Confess to those we love so you don't get ruled by guilt. Anger, you don't control me. I'm letting it go and I'm forgiving. Greed, I'm not mastered by you. I'm going to give even when it makes no sense. And we're going to be cheerful because the motion will come after I give, not before. Because I give until I'm cheerful. See, more, greed says don't give because you have to take care of you. But the more you do it, the more your hands open, the more your heart opens. And you get a sense of peace saying, God, I'm happy with what you've given me. And I'm glad what you're doing in my life. And I'm better off without it than with it. The stuff doesn't matter. People in my life matter. You matter. Jealousy. I'm going to celebrate people around me. Look for opportunities to celebrate people. Because jealousy is not my master. And remember again. All these actions are complete opposite to what we feel. Because if we're led by our feelings, we will never be free. And so therefore, we put guardrails in place to get well in our heart, to get well in our life, to get well with God. So let me ask you a question. Is everything okay in your heart? Is everything okay in your heart? Are there tensions there? Holding something there? Keeping something back? Angry at someone? Jealous of someone? Is everything okay in your heart? Because that stuff in there is going to come out sooner or later. And will defile you, not because God is mad at you, but because you eventually end up hurting people 
that God loves. Whether it's your wife, your husband, your kids, your friends, your family, even those that don't know God, God loves them. So that's why Solomon says, out of all the things I've said, above all, above everything I've talked about, God, your for everything you do flows from it. Every reaction, every action, every interaction, everything you do flows from your heart. So don't fill your heart with all of these negative emotions. Learn to work them out. At the start of the series, I told you this is not about behavior modification. It's about being surrendered people. It's when we surrender to Jesus' will because we know he wants the best for us, that he loves us, that he cares for us. And therefore, when you are, know that you are loved, it's easy to surrender to that person because you know they're not going to harm you. They want what's best for you. And so that's what it's about. It's about being surrendered people, surrendered to his will, surrendered to what he asks us, to follow what he says because it makes your life better. It makes the life of people around you better. He wants to love us and love us through it. And make no mistake, whether you've got all these emotions wrapped up in your heart, whether you've even got them out, make no mistake, God loves you. His love for you is not going to change. Even if he's upset at what you do, doesn't stop him loving you. But what's going to happen is your life is not going to be the way it should be. His love won't change, but your life won't get better. So two questions, and I have something special for you. Number one, what emotions are you struggling with in your heart right now? Guilt, anger, Greed, jealousy, what emotions are you struggling with? Is there someone in your life that you're mad at, upset at, guilty for because you did something to them? What emotions are you going through? Is there greed? Is there jealousy? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you being feeling pushed down, weighted down by some of these emotions because you're struggling with them? What emotion are you struggling with right now? Number two, what steps can you take out of the suggestions that we put up there earlier that you can put into practice today? How can you deal with guilt? You confess. How do you deal with anger? You forgive. How do you deal with greed? You give. How do you deal with jealousy? You celebrate. What are those actions you can do? What do you choose to do? What are you going to put in practice today? that's going to help you. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. 
Have an amazing day.